Well, hey everyone, welcome to Trust the Trail. We are your outdoor guides, Ariana Petrucci and Scott Chans. This is episode 205, Overcrowding and Search and Rescue. On our live audio show, we have a conversation with our listeners about why national parks are experiencing record search and rescue efforts. All the data is out for 2021. I cannot believe the amount of search and rescue that happened last year. Is this why backcountry permit fees are on the rise for 2022 and 2023? Why is there such a disconnect between visitors and what to know before you go. And lastly, one of our listeners explains Jitsu and how it's getting her in shape. You can always join in on our discussions on our Facebook group page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Trusted Trail Podcast and join our podcast family. Come out and hang out with us. Be a part of our community. By the way, if you're planning a day hike or backpacking adventure, and you need to plan your route, you want to get Gaia GPS. It's an iOS app, app or Android app. Plan your next off-grid backpacking adventure with Gaia GPS. Route Planner. You can find a link to become a member on TrustedTrailPodcast.com, episode 205. Just click on the banner. Just for our Trusted Trail listeners, you'll get the first year for only $31.99. Normally, it's $40. bucks. You'll be able to download offline maps, create your own route, look for a route, search for a route, download it, print custom maps, access the thousands of trails in, the, in their catalog. You can layer multiple maps together and create a custom route just for you. In full disclosure, GAD GPS, at no cost to you, offers us a commission for each new member that joins. We've already created several maps, super easy to use in the process of mapping out some of our favorite hikes right now. Be sure to check out our new YouTube channel. Also, we have a two-part series on cold weather backpacking for all you 2022 AT through hikers. And of course, trail news. This will be a bi-weekly show in addition to our regular podcast. You can check out individual shows on our YouTube channel or an individual audio on our Patreon page, or just wait to the end of the month where I make it into a podcast. And of course, every Tuesday evening at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have our live audio chat with our Facebook group members. No topic is off limits. This is your chance to voice an opinion about the outdoors instead of just posting this week's live chat is, once again, open discussion night, and we started talking about search and rescue. Uh, crazy how I'm getting all this data from uh, a bunch of the uh, Twitter, uh, I follow almost every national park on Twitter, they're starting to put out a lot of 21, uh, 2021 data, and a lot of it has to do with search and rescue. Rocky Mountain National Park on our trail news uh, show uh, we just talked about how they are freaking out about all the search and rescue. And Ariane just experienced a search and rescue in her own backyard. So we talk about that on our live audio chat. Let's go to the room. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Open Topic Night on our Trust the Trail Facebook group page. This is our live audio show that we're going to do every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Today is uh, just open topic night. Uh, anything to do with backpacking, hiking, anything camping, anything with 
to do with the outdoors. We can make it a big a Q and A session if people want to, and or we can you know, we can just talk and uh, about a specific topic that just kind of happens to appear in the group. Everything is uh, nothing is scripted. This is just live conversation, live audio. Uh, with uh, people that want to participate in our Facebook group. Um, but I do have a little bit of a topic that that I want to talk about. Um, I've seen this a lot in press releases lately. And all the national park... So all this data is coming in now from the 2021 season. You know, Yellowstone, Zion, all these national parks are are releasing their data. And there's one, well, there's two common threads, but they both correlate with each other um, with this, uh, with the one thing that they have in common. And ironically enough, um, I was on the Cook City Facebook page today, and it made me think about what happened. I I don't know if you know this, Ariane, but what happened today, Um, but it's the, it's the huge rise in search and rescue and all these national parks are are saying that you know they had record-breaking years for attendance i mean it was like zion is still i mean they're they are still packing zion in it zion hasn't really even let up even with the two floods they had um and everything else and of course um march and april are the big two months for a lot of these national parks that changed the reservation system and how to get backpacking permits. Um, but the search and rescues have been crazy. They were crazy in 2021 nuts. And I just noticed today in cook city EMS, um, you guys had a search and rescue in Yellowstone and or around, or, Oh, I'm sorry. It was in Silvergate on Miller mountain. Did you know that? Uh, yes, it was a skiing injury that occurred. I don't know all the details, but I do know that, uh, they had to get airlifted out today. Um, and that is, that is the mountain that I frequent, uh, pretty consistently on a, on an evening basis. Um, it's a little further up, but, um, but yeah, I heard about it. News travels fast in a small town. Well, you only have, you know, 30 people that live in, <laughs> live in town, I guess they noticed the big EMS hol- helicopter um, that came in, but they, they had a life flight that person. So I, I, I don't, it was unclear on whether the person was okay, but they had photographs of it, which was kind of weird. Um, or I guess uh, not weird, but um, uh, you know, usually the, the helicopter comes and goes, you don't really get to see the scene out there, but um they had they had uh, the scene where the helicopter had landed. They had another group of people helping other people, um, and then uh, they took off. But yeah, it was on Miller Mountain, and I knew you had hiked up there quite a bit. Um, but it just goes to show that uh, the search and rescue in twenty twenty one was nuts, and I would imagine that that's one of the reasons why all these national parks and national forests state municipality uh, and municipal counties are raising fees to cover that cost. It, it has to be. It, that's got to be the primary reason why some fees are 
are raising in 2022. And I know specifically um, it was, um, it wasn't Canyonlands National Park, but it was on Trail News. Um, I reported it on our Trail News uh, podcast. It's on our Patreon page, and it's also on our YouTube channel. One of them uh, is raising their backcountry fees specifically for search and rescue. I mean, that's why they're raising their fees, because search and rescue has just gone nuts. Uh, yeah, it, it has. And I think um, you, we've had, we've had uh, two specific cases of search and rescue um, outside of the deaths that have occurred here. But um, it, and it's simply because uh, they got turned around and it's easy to do in whiteout conditions. And I've thought a lot about how you can be an experienced hiker or backpacker or a skier or what, what rock climber, whatever the case may be, you can be experienced in one or multiple different, uh, you know, outdoor activities or sports, whatever you want to call them. And you can then jump into a new type of um, activity. And even with your experience in the other areas, you become so novice to certain elements. And I've, I've even seen that with myself out here. I've, I've never experienced I've done a lot of uh, snow sports. I've done a lot of uh, hiking in snow, but even I am new to certain elements that become dangerous or that can become just an unaware factor that can then exponentially uh, require search and rescue in a very, very quick turnaround. And I've thought a lot about that, um, how search how search and rescue, you know, you, you perhaps can get very, very comfortable in a, in a, um, in your rhythm and you have a ton of knowledge, but then you just, you, you, you flip a, a switch and you change something about your environment or the conditions are different or you, you adjust something that changes the game for you. And I, I would, I know that in these past two years, we've had search and rescue on very, very basic levels, but it's interesting to see it out here because search and rescue becomes experienced people that just got caught in a different scenario, perhaps, um, or a different environment or something they weren't prepared to uh, deal with. And it's very interesting to, to watch the two spectrums of search and rescue um, from something that we've seen so much in these past years to something a little different out here. Well, yeah. And I, and I would say too, though, there's an, out where you are, there's an element of, um, I would, there's an element of the risk factor that is known. So, you know, out where you are, you know, you, you've got, you know, snowboarders, snow skiers, you know, uh, snowmobilers, they know what the risk is. They understand, they have a better understanding of what the risk factors are um, when, you know, when they're out where you're at. Um, and even the cross-country skiers, uh, they, they understand what the risk factors are. 
Um, I know that there's a company out in Bozeman. We talked about this this weekend when you were out hiking um, that uh, does cross-country uh, backpacking. You know, you're on skis, you go cross-country backpacking. There's, they know the risk factors. What's unknown, and I think up by you specifically, is the fact that um, conditions don't match the um, the the uh, the the hazard. So you know where you might come out there in Cook City or in Montana out with that much snow, and you know you're hiking around and it's you know it's a nice day. Well, you know we're more apt to think that okay, it's a nice day, everything's gonna go, gonna be okay. Well, no, because you know you got you know twelve inches or 15 inches of snow, fresh snow on snow that has been iced over. And so now you have an avalanche issue. And so out there, you know, people understand those risks. They, they understand the hazard of avalanches extremely well. But what, 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 what really concerns me is, the, is the, the conditions that don't match the hazards where People aren't even, I, I, I can't understand where the disconnect is of going up. So, you know, on Trail News, we talked about uh, Rocky Mountain National Park is the number one park for search and rescue. Number one park for search and rescue. And it's during the summer. And, you know, I could get it during the winter. I can get that. But in, in the summer, um, one of the things that they talked about was altitude sickness because um and i i've been up there i've I've climbed it you know you've got you've got day hikes that can take you up to fourteen thousand feet hell you can drive up to pike's peak in your car but you can also hike up it you can hike up long's peak which is a little over fourteen thousand feet and that's a day hike and, and that was one of their big, um, you know, big issues that they had in 2021 were, um, was altitude sickness. Now, I know when I did Long's Peak, that was the first thing that popped in my head. I mean, that was the very first thing we researched. And so that's why we spent, you know, we spent seven days up in Estes Park at, um, you know, 10,000 feet to get acclimated. And then we drove up to Pikes Peak and spent almost a whole day up there at 14,000 feet just to get acclimated, just to see, am I going to, am I going to get a headache? You know, is, am I going to get altitude sickness? Is it going to, is it going to affect me in some way? Um, and you'll know, give, you know, give your body at least, at least a heads up that, Hey man, I've just changed uh, my climate in a big way. But, but that's one of the biggest search and rescue issues in Rocky Mountain National Park is altitude sickness and just overall, mis you know, like mistakes made on the trail. And I find that interesting. Um, maybe I don't find it interesting as far as the correlation between how many people came out to national parks in 2021 versus how many uh, search and rescues there are. But I'm, I'm, I guess my thing is where where's that disconnect between you know, um, you know, hey, we're, you know, uh, we're going to go to a national park. We're going to finally get outdoors, you know, because of the pandemic and because of everything else, everyone's going outdoors. Great. But where's that disconnect between I'm going to go outdoors um, and go play and I'm not going to do any research whatsoever. 
on where I'm going. I think that that's one of the things that kind of concerns me. And apparently it concerns the National Park, uh, National Park Service uh, big time because they are changing everything as far as how that goes. Well, I think it's very simple. It just boils down to uh, just general inexperience. Um, you know, you don't know what the risks are until you experience them um, in many cases. And I think national parks have done a huge push in the last, you know, 15 years specifically, 15, perhaps even 20 years, to really push people into the, the parks, families, um, individuals to come and experience it, come and explore, see a part of Americana, you know, uh, uh, get outdoors. And I, I think with that push, people do gravitate towards it and they do want to see these iconic pieces of, of America that have, and beyond, that have been so immortalized in this this idea of a national park and it does push people to them and and a lot of times it's their first time or they just don't know what they're getting into um or it's so idealistic to come in and experience these national parks that you know there's there's not um, enough of the i don't want to say the education surrounding it but uh, enough of the awareness factor uh, just at a bare bones minimum. So I, I think it just really boils down to first and foremost an experience and then it layers on top of that. I don't know. I mean, I, th I kind of agree with that, but I also think that um, there has to be some sort of basic understanding of what you're getting into. And I would say that the national parks, they may be promoting you to come in, but they're certainly not ready for you to come in. Um, and, and there was nothing more apparent than... 2021 when every single national park broke attendance records um but they didn't hire more staff they didn't you know they didn't um have a better infrastructure to meet the demand of those crowds um and i would say because they are short staffed and and they're trying to make staffing changes i know uh i i believe zion yellowstone um grand canyon uh, I know that they are desperately looking to hire more staff in those parks. Um, I think this would be a great time to be a ranger, by the way. If you ever wanted to be a National Park Service ranger, right now is the best time ever to apply and become a National Park Service ranger. Um, but I, because I think they're short staff. And so because they're short staff, they can't be everywhere. And because they're not everywhere, people that think that they have an ability or certain abilities um, find out that, you know, hiking down to the river in the Grand Canyon is a bit of a hike, you know, climbing up 14,000 feet in the Rocky Mountain National Park. There's a, there's a significant altitude change, <laughs> you know, from, from 9,000 feet to 14,000 feet. Um, you know, I, I, I think that is there. There's the disconnect there. I, I think that, you know, it's the baseline, the baseline of like, OK, this is what I want to do when, when I when I go to this national park. This is what I want to experience. What do I have to know to fulfill that experience? What do what basic knowledge do I need 
to know. Um, and I think it's just, uh, you know, to me, I, there's a, somewhere there's a disconnect on um, whether uh, people aren't doing their research, whether the National Park Service is. And I, I, I would say the National Park Service does really try. I mean, they really try to warn you, like, hey, this is a hard hike or maybe you shouldn't do that. But I, and I don't know if people just aren't listening. But the number of search and rescues in 2021 was staggering um, compared to what it was in 2018 and 2019. And of course, you know, you have the the, the uh, commonality of everybody coming to these national parks at the same time, which is great. I agree with you, Ariane. I think that's great that everyone's going, experiencing new things. But you don't want people to learn, um, you know, for the first time in what not to do when when they're being flown out on a helicopter uh and they've had a bad experience um and and unfortunately a lot of these search and rescues are as rocky mountain national park put it they're not even they the the rangers at the rocky mountain national park are, are spending more time in traffic congestion and trying to get you know, trailheads cleared of, of, or the parking area of trailheads, clearing the roads, you know, uh, going uh, and uh, um, trying to fix fender benders. And you and I know that um, we're driving through Yellowstone National Park. How many rangers have had cars pulled over for one reason or another, um, you know, whether it's a fender bender or whether, you know, I mean, someone's doing something wrong or whatever the case is. And that takes away from, you know, getting those rangers out to specific areas where people are actually out exploring or hiking or experiencing the Yellowstone instead of having to pull somebody over and, uh, you know, doing, you know, traffic stops. I know that's a necessity and I know that's important, but I, I, I firmly believe that they are, these national parks are hugely understaffed. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are just, like almost everybody is. Um, and I think the national parks are, are, are I think they have identified that. I, I think they've known that for a while. And I think they're making really big strides to combat that. Well, I think they, I think they are too. And I, and I think that goes back to one why they're increasing fees. You know, they, they have to cover their costs. National Park Service traditionally, that, um, you know, they, they're not making tons of money um, by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, you know, there's a huge difference in your regular season that your National Park Service, you know, deals with. But then, you know, you have this huge uptick in search and rescue. I, you know, I'd be curious to find out from Cook City, um, and you could probably get that information, how much that search and rescue actually costs by going up there today and, um, you know, getting that snowmobiler. No, it's a snowmobiler. I get it. it you know, and you, Cook City has a whole different set of issues. Um, but, I, I, but I would love to know exactly how much an airlift uh, for one person uh, from that, because that's a big helicopter. That's huge. And we, we saw, um, in fact, I think that helicopter that was in Cook City that I saw, that was much bigger than the search and rescue that you experienced in the Grand Canyon. Uh, that, 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 that is a huge helicopter because I think that helicopter has to deal with 
higher elevation, colder elements, colder weather, or colder weather, and probably a much longer flight to wherever it has to go. Um, That's uh, correct. Yeah, that is correct because um, so the only uh, <clears throat> the only air flights uh, we have are coming from. Uh, by driving distance, <laughs> uh, you're talking about a minimum of like probably two to to four or five hours away. Um, and they are going over these really steep mountain passes, no matter which way you cut in, um, whichever search and rescue uh, gets dispatched and, and can actually answer that phone call. Um, and be able to secure coming, it, it takes them It takes them hours to get here because they are coming over those high mountain passes and they are dealing with quite a significant amount of potential weather hazard. Yeah, I would think depending on what the problem is too is that that's where they're going to fly you. So they can either fly you to Cody or Billings or I'm not really sure they'd go to Bozeman. Maybe they do. Maybe they go to Idaho Falls, uh, which is, uh, you know, kind of a significant uh, – flight trip but I, I you know i would imagine that that's pretty expensive and you know i'm not really sure who foots the bill for that um i know that that would probably be divided between park county and that would be that would probably be divided be, between local and federal agencies that supplement that search and rescue effort because of where you specifically are but i would imagine that um, for for example, Grand Canyon, when you saw uh, that guy get airlifted out of the Grand Canyon, um, that is a that's that is all federal uh, agency because Grand Canyon has their own search and rescue team, so that would be a federal uh, a federal expense. And um, depending on you know where you are, and depending on who has to get you, and depending on where you get transported to, because you know you just can't land and like you know. Like an emergency, you can't really land like in a regular emergency room parking area. Um, you know, you got to have a landing pad. <laughs> well, I don't know. Grand Canyon, that helicopter, he they landed on a pretty short little uh, little stint there. But um, I know I know those helicopter pilots; they can land just about anywhere. But you have to be able to transport the patient um, in a, uh, um, you know, in you know, in a general area to, to wherever hospital or wherever you're going to bring that patient, you just, you just can't land anywhere. Um, you know, and, and that, depending on where that is, that's another cost, you know, like, you know, how, how, or, or sometimes maybe there's another ambulance involved where, you know, the, the helicopter lands, you know, at a specific area because they can't land in Bozeman. Um, and so then they have to be ambulance from that location to, the hospital so there, there's a lot involved in search and rescue and i mean it's costly uh and um you know i i know uh quite a few years ago the uh and i can't remember the county but it was in new hampshire and it was mount washington and they were sick of doing search and rescue um and of course mount washington's a different beast um, even in the summertime, it can get it can be very deadly with the winds and the temperature changes and the elevation change, um, and that's only six thousand feet. Um, but uh, I know that the county was um, going to pass an ordinance, and I don't know if they ever did, 
They may have. Um, it'd probably be good to research that and look that up. But they were passing an ordinance saying, look, we've told you a million times that, you know, if it's 75 degrees down here, it could be 30 degrees up on top of Mount Washington. And so if you go up there unprepared and we have to helicopter you out, you're paying for it. And, uh, you know, I, I would I would venture to say that if search and rescue keeps going the way it is, that, um, you know, we and, and I don't see the federal government doing that, but county municipalities, smaller, you know, smaller units, maybe like Park County where you're at, um, you know, uh, you know, Park County is a little bit luckier because they have a tax base of Cody, Wyoming, but Cody's not a big city by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, they, they may start putting limits. And I think that's why they put limits on, you know, now they're, they're changing the backcountry permit reservation system. You know, they want more accountability. They want to be able to track people a little bit better. And they're raising their fees to do that, to cover that cost. So, I don't know what 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 is what the future um, holds, but uh, man, oh man, was there a lot of SAR rescues this year and uh, or last year in 2021? And uh, um, I don't know. Um, I don't know where the future of that's going to go. I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more. I don't, and I don't know what the solution is either. I don't know where you fix the disconnect between new people and, and just vacationers and people that want to enjoy the parks. Um, but not also being prepared and not, you know, uh, and I think the attitude sometimes is like, what's well, not going to happen to me? I'm in shape. It's not going to happen to me. And you go out there and the next thing you know, man, you're, you're, you're in a helicopter <laughs> and, uh, you know, hopefully it's not a life, uh, life and death situation. But I think the problem with Rocky Mountain National Park, it's not a life or death situation. Is just people that are unprepared. So does Kathy. We've got Kathy and Stephanie. Kathy Kinnison. Hello, Kathy Kinnison. You are more than welcome to come up and uh, speak and say hello if you want to. Just to come up and say hi. So, hey, Ariane, tell us a little bit about that area that you hike up in. And do you, did you were you uh, at the location? It looked pretty high. They called it Miller Mountain. Um, but where is that? In, I know we're. Miller Passes or the Miller Trail is, where is that in conjunction to where you hike? So uh, Miller Mountain actually sits kind of further back than where I tend to hike. Um, so, you know, Cook City is kind of in a fishbowl of these really steep mountains. And so we're kind of in this like bowl area and we just have mountains jutting up on all sides of us. So it's always up no matter where you go in Cook City, you have to go up to get out. Um, with the exception of through the park, <laughs> you go down. <laughs> um, but uh, so uh, Miller Road is a very popular ATV or snowmobiling, also hiking trail. It's used by all of the locals out here. Um, and that trail is maintained uh, kind of year round. It does send you up about 1500 feet above cook city um and then you do have a connection point at the very top of it there is um there are a lot of uh buildings that are no longer in use but they're they're towers and they they were built essentially to monitor things um in the area um and they are used by search and rescue as well um 
so Miller Mountain is tucked just behind that. And then Miller Mountain is essentially the very start of um, all of the National Forest land. Uh, that's, I mean, we're in National Forest, but this is where it really gets really deep. Uh, you have a bunch of, you have a bunch of alpine um uh, uh, mountains back there you also have and what many people don't know is you have about 14 glaciers uh settled right back there um of course it's inaccessible at this point <laughs> but um in the summertime you can uh, access them on foot if you do some off-trail hiking and um so miller mountain is kind of the the entry point into uh, extremely remote terrain, um, and and that pretty much takes you either into Wyoming or further north into Montana, and it's pretty much just barren, uh, uh, mountainous terrain uh, for a very, very, very long time uh, north of Miller Mountain. Um, welcome, Kathy Kennison. Welcome to the room and to the stage. And uh, it's good to see you, Kathy. has been on some of our backpacking trips. Notably, her and I hiked the Lakeshore Trail and had an epic kayak trip in the UP. Kathy, how, how are you? It's good to see you, my friend. I'm doing fine. I guess I'm talking. Tell us uh, what's been going on with you and, uh, um, you know, what, uh, what's, what, what have you been up to? I uh, haven't done a lot of hiking. I Actually, uh, we had a big snowstorm. Here at the beginning of January, and I got hurt on the ice, so I haven't been able to get out much. So my hiking's basically been on cement. So I was going to send you a picture of what I did this past weekend, me sitting in the parking lot. But uh, <laughs> haven't been able to get out much, but I'm looking forward to this, the warmer weather and hopefully uh, getting over, over to the AT. It's about two hours from where I live now. Are you cycling at all? Are you doing any cycling? Uh, I haven't haven't since, uh, since, the, since the winter. Um, I do jiu-jitsu now. So I've been doing a lot of that lately. So you've gone from hiker to like a badass? Exactly. <laughs> don't, 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 don't cross me now, okay? I won't. I, I won't. <laughs> I would have crossed you anyway, but, but, oh, so what's, what's just, it's, what, what is that? Explain what that is. So it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's basically like if somebody attacked me, then I could defend myself. If, if somebody pinned me down on the ground, then I could get off get out from underneath them, which is kind of a self-defense kind of thing. Gotcha. And I'll bet you that's not as easy as people think it is. No, but I figure I live near D.C., so I need to know that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, wow, that, that's very cool. Is it, um, is it physically challenging? Do you have to – is it just like learning moves, or do you have to – I mean, what's the physicality of it compared to – like if I learned it and I knew nothing about it, how long will it – how long would it – take me to learn it and you have to is that something you have to practice all the time oh yeah you definitely have to practice the first class i went to i was dying after just doing uh, jumping jacks um in the warm-ups but uh i've been doing it since labor day and i've been promoted one time so it's a long process of learning techniques and then getting them to being able to do them frequently you know when somebody comes at you knowing what to do so I still get beat up all the time. Well, that's really cool. That that yeah. sounds pretty though, man. I mean, it sounds like a really good way to get in shape, too. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Hoping so. So how close do you live by the Appalachian Trail? Okay, I live near Shenandoah National Park. Um, I'm about uh, an hour and a half to two hours from 
from the, the national park. Gotcha. I gotcha. So you're, yeah, you are close to DC then. Wow. Yeah. You're yeah. really close. You are close to like old drag mountain. You're probably close to old drag mountain and, and that, that area near the Shannon does. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of close to uh, the Waynesboro where the blue Ridge Parkway comes in to uh, Shenandoah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful uh, area. So yeah. uh, that, the, that they've also been in the news lately because Shenandoah, well, Old Rag Mountain uh, just increased their day hike pass to just day hike Old Rag. Um, if you've never hiked Old Rag in the Catholic, I hope you do it. It's really cool. Um, it's, it's like, um, you need to kind of go through these, uh, um, there's one part where you kind of squeeze through a little rock tunnel and, uh, it's a real popular area, but man, you get, you get some beautiful views up there. It's really, uh, an iconic, um, hike. It's a good, good hike to, um, uh, good exercise hike for sure. But, uh, I, they just raised their day hike fees. They raised their camping fees their group site fees went up to 75 bucks a night for a group and the shenandoah national park um there is they it looks like they're gonna copy what the smokies did about eight years ago i think it's about eight years ago now um where the Smokies said, look, if you're through hiking in the AT, if you're, if you're an Appalachian Trail through hiker and you're hiking through the Smokies, you got to pay 20 bucks. You know what that fee is, Ariane? Like it's a $20 through hiking fee that you got to pay? Uh, something, something like that. But yeah, every through hiker is required to have that on them. So in 2020, either the latter part of 2022 this year or 2023, Shenandoah is going to do the same thing. So if you're an AT through hiker, you got to pay the, um, to, to, to camp inside that national park as a through hiker, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have a permit as a through hiker to hike through. And so even they are uh, raising their fees over there. Yeah. What about like, I mean, I don't know if you know this, what about like just a weekend overnight hiker over there? to spend the night um it just looks like they're raising their fees just for a regular uh backpacking fee like you know yeah you 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 would you would still get on the reservation system just like the smokies um reserve your campsite you know pay your reservation fee um it was unclear to me if those are going up although i got the impression they are going up um but that it's just going to be like a regular um you know the smokies and shenandoahs they're very similar to how they reserve and, and, you know, how you can get a site. Um, and the Smokies, the Smoky Mountain National Park is, is the only park or the only national park for day hiking that there is no fee. You don't have to pay mm -hmm. anything. But Shenandoah, it does look like there's going to be a fee. And uh, um, at least for day hikers to hike Old Drag Mountain anyway. And uh, it, um, but if you just want to backpack through the Shenandoahs, and pick a uh, designated camping area, then you, you just go through the reservation process and pay whatever fee that they're asking for, just like the Smokies. Well, look, we're going to end the room. I appreciate everybody coming in. It's uh, been, We've been going on for a little less than an hour. I uh, appreciate everybody coming on. 
um, and talking just about open topic. We, we just kind of let the conversation flow into all different kinds of deck, uh, different directions. Um, and, uh, um, you never really kind of know where it's going to go, but I enjoyed tonight's conversation with everybody and I'm glad everybody got to come in stuff. So we're going to be back here next Tuesday, uh, six o'clock mountain time, eight o'clock Eastern standard time. We'll probably have open topic again, or unless someone wants to has a specific topic they want to talk about. And, uh, we will see you guys, uh, next week, next Tuesday, Kathy, Ariane, Stephanie, it was good to see everybody. We'll talk to you guys later. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Shout out to our lovely and amazing Facebook members and our patrons who help support our podcast. Richard Curry, Angela Salas, Kim Caverman, Brother Bear, Jill Lang, EJ Newell, Helene Prophet, Bob Esser, Danny Bowen, Jack Masters, Lisa Pruitt, Brad Wolf, Suzanne Johnson, Jessica Wolfen, Jordan Lendcrack, Susan Adams, Kevin Frost, Gina Purcell, and Dean Dowsett. Really appreciate you guys. Patreon is a secure platform that lets you support Support your favorite podcast. All you need to do is create an account, go to Trust the Trail Podcast, and as little as two dollars a month, get exclusive special benefits. Now we are weekly on Patreon. Don't forget that we have a podcast every week hitting our Patreon page. Our podcasts are available on iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the big ones, Amazon. We also all of our podcasts are now on Facebook under our podcast tab on our Trust the Trail Facebook page. So if you're if we're not on one that you listen to, let us know. We'll make sure that we are. You can follow us on Instagram where we will have um, we'll have two photographs of two different search and rescue helicopters that we've witnessed. One was in the Grand Canyon. So uh, you want to head over to Instagram, take a look at that. Remember, the trail does give you everything you need, and it's very important to go to every National Park website and make sure you always look and read what to know before you go. That will certainly help you to avoid a uh, search and rescue for you or your family. Uh, trust the trail, hiking, being outdoors, build self-confidence, self-esteem, so trust the trail. We'll see you guys later. Bye.